This is a new voice for a new Scotland. So it's Indy Truck DV in the truck. Right, let's move on to the review of the week's news. Let's start on Monday the 23rd of November 2020. Monday, Scotland's National Investment Bank was launched. Okay. The bank will be funded by two billion of Scottish government funds and is intended to invest in companies that will help reach net zero by 2025. There will also be investment in companies which will help end inequality in our country as well. Okay. It's hoped these investments will yield a return for the public purse in the long term. The bank hit the ground running with a loan to M Squared, a Glasgow-based firm. The firm's founder, Dr. Graham Malcolm, said science and advanced technologies have a major role to play in Scotland's future and its recovery. Okay. M Square is working in the field of advanced laser systems, all right, for medical and scientific research. The chairman of the Scottish National Investment Bank, Wally Watt, says he doesn't expect a return from the public for the public purse in the first few years of the bank operating, all right. Okay, let's move on. I've got a transport report for you for uh, Monday. Monday, ScotRail reports that travel by rail was down 90% to weekend in the 22nd of November. First bus reported passenger numbers down by 42% by weekend in the 22nd of November. Transport for Scotland reported that road traffic was down by 15% for the week ending the uh, 22nd of November. And it was doing 27% for the weekend of the weekend in the 22nd of November. The numbers are encouraging as the travel bans have only just been, we're only introducing Friday night, but it appears that people had taken heed earlier and they started cutting back in, in non-essential journeys, all right? Now, car travel was doing uh, 49% between level four areas. Car travel between level four and lower tiered areas was down by 37%. Cross-border travel into England was down by 13%. Concessionary travel on buses and rail was down by 19%. Rail journeys down by 57% in total. And Glasgow subway journeys were down by 66%. Now, I have to say, I'm bloody impressed by how quick Transport Scotland put all this information together and had it released on Monday. Well impressed. I can't wait to see what the figures are next week and see if this is actually having an effect, this tiered lockdown system, when it comes to transport. I have to say that I'm out on the roads, folks, and the roads are quieter than, than what they have been, all right? Right, Monday, EIS Teaching Union released its results, how safe teachers feel in schools, and whether they wish to take industrial action on concerns over working in schools, especially in level four areas, okay? The survey showed that fewer than a third of teachers felt safe in schools. Wow, that's only 33% of teachers felt safe in schools, all right? 26% of teachers said they felt safe. 5% said they felt very safe. 66 or two thirds supported the Scottish government's policy of keeping schools open. 51% of teachers feel blended learning should be introduced in level four areas. Teachers in level 3 areas were 86% in favour of keeping schools open. The EIS Union General Secretary, Larry Flanagan, said significant numbers of teachers did not feel safe under current arrangements and significant numbers of teachers in level 4 areas in favour of industrial action. Mr Flanagan also went on to say that he wants his teachers in the first tranche of PO to be vaccinated. Okay. Larry Flanagan's no happy. Teachers are no happy. 
but they all agree that the policy of keeping schools open is the right policy. So there's no, you know, what can you say? There won't be any industrial action, I don't think. Right, Monday lunchtime, First Minister Nicola Sturgeon takes to the podium to give her daily public update. She reads out the daily COVID figures and addresses the press on transfer of patients to care homes after it came to light that some patients have been transferred to care homes from hospitals without having two negative COVID tests. All right, now there's a policy in place where you don't transfer a patient to a care home unless they've tested negative twice. All right, but apparently... Jean Freeman says that in rare circumstances, the policy is ignored by clinicians and patients are transferred, right? Now, the First Minister went on to say that these are cl uh, clinical decisions and they generally only apply to people in end-of-life situations, in other words, palliative care, right? And as the First Minister explained, the clinicians sometimes decide that it's best to send the patients home to die, all right, in comfortable um, surroundings, Okay, now when we're talking about really elderly people then sometimes home is a care home and that's why some of these patients are being transferred. But it's on compassionate grounds, uh, a clinical decision. Alright, so it would appear that some patients are still no getting two COVID negative tests before they're being transferred to care homes. But the First Minister stressed that these are clinical decisions and that politicians have no business interfering in clinical decisions. And I have to agree with you. I do have to agree with the First Minister on this one. For example, the First Minister's a lawyer by her education. I can't say by trade. I don't know how long she actually worked for or as a lawyer. But the First Minister's a lawyer. She's no business telling clinicians what they should do with their patients. That's the bloody clinician's job. They're the bloody experts. So if the clinicians say, send this patient home, they'll be more comfortable on their way out the door, I'm sure it's the right thing to do. Okay. The First Minister also told the press and the public not to expect any major changes in Tuesday's weekly review of the COVID restrictions. And the First Minister went on to address speculation over relaxation of the COVID restrictions for Christmas. The First Minister said the four nation discussions were ongoing and an announcement would be made later in the week. The First Minister went on to say, don't expect much. It's hoped that families can get together in slightly larger groups. We'll get married that as the week is on, right? The First Minister then went on to say that there would be no relaxing of measures for Hogmanay. All right. Monday, down that road in the madhouse that's Westminster, Bojo the Clown writes to his ministers to tell them there is no place for bullying in their ministries. Right? The former PM, who kept his home secretary Pretty Patel in office after she'd been written up for bullying and found to be in breach of the ministerial code, had a cheek to write to his bloody ministers and tell them that they, 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 to make sure there's no bullying going on in their ministries. All right? You get that? Right? I mean, Patel doesn't get the bullet, right? Which sets a precedence. Any other minister that bullies the staff now will not get the bullet because they'll be able to call up the, the situation with Patel, right? So, Bojo writing to these people is just a waste of bloody ink because they're going to ignore him. Bojo is a weak prime minister who won't last long, all right? Monday, up here in Scotland, Health Secretary Jean Freeman said there were 
No plans to make the COVID-19 vaccine compulsory in Scotland. Miss uh, Freeman went on to explain that the Scottish people have a great history of taking up immunisation programmes and she expects this one to be just the same. Okay, so when it comes down to people saying that they're not going to get the vaccination, Miss Freeman doesn't think it'll make any difference because the majority will take up the immunisation programme and immunity will be reached. So if you don't want to take the vaccine, don't. But what's good about that is she's, she made it quite clear it won't be compulsory. But the UK government will have a say in this. But if you want a passport or you want to travel, the UK government might well insist that you have a vaccination. And some of the air travel companies may insist that you've been vaccinated before they'll let you on the planes, all right? Right, Monday, back in the mad world of Westminster politics, Labour Chief Whip, demands that Jeremy Corbyn apologises for saying the press and political opponents overplayed the extent of anti-Semitism in the Labour Party. <laughs> now you get this, the Labour chief, chief Whip has a bloody cheek. He has absolutely no bloody right to demand anything of Corbyn. Remember, Starmer threw his dummy out the pram. Sir, Keir Starmer threw his dummy out the pram. When the Labour Party readmitted Corbyn into the Labour Party. So what did Starmer do? Starmer didn't give Corbyn the whip back. So Corbyn's sitting as an independent. So the Chief Whip, Labour Chief Whip, has absolutely no bloody right whatsoever to demand anything of Corbyn. And by the way, Corbyn was right. The established order went all out to smear the man and to ensure he never made it into number 10. Now I'm the Red Tory fan. I'm the Corbyn fan. But this is true. The establishment bottled it at the idea that Corbyn would get in. Because let's face it, Corbyn would have introduced social policies and he would have shut all the loopholes in the tax code. And he would have made the elite pay their bloody taxes. Now Corbyn might be a political dinosaur in our eyes up here in Scotland, but he would have shook that establishment down there to its bloody knees. And... The political elite and the establishment had to ensure that they get to carry on with their tax havens and their skimming off their public purse. Anybody ever heard of Finchley Road? No? Google it. Your search engine is your friend. All right. So Corbyn was absolutely right, and the Labour chief whip had no bloody right to ask that Corbyn <laughs> apologise for anything. Corbyn's sitting as an independent, you tube. Right, anyway, Monday, Bojo the Clown addresses the English people on what comes next after the lockdown in England. The PM said England would return to a three-tier system with stricter restrictions and the tiers. Okay. Right, let's move on to Tuesday. Tuesday, the 24th of November. Tuesday, a major row breaks out between Andy Burnham, the Mayor of Manchester, and Grant Sharp, the Transport Minister. Sharp claims that Andy Burnham had caused deaths in Manchester because he wouldn't come to the table and deal with the Tory government. Andy Burnham strikes back and says, I was at the bloody table. I just wouldn't let you shut my city down without you giving support for the people. You were offering 67% for the people in the north, but when it was the people in the south, then they get 80 to 85 to 87%. And Burnham was quite right. He had to stay on his ground. He couldn't shut Manchester down and let people go bloody hungry because there was no government support. Tuesday, Dross claims that next year's Holyrood election will not be um, a spring referendum on Indy 2. 
Dross has got ideas above his station. Poland shows that since he took over the Tory party, they've lost seven points and dropped to between 18 and 19% in the polls. And Dross doesn't hold any power. So Dross has got no right to say what next year's Scottish election will be. Nothing. In fact, Dross and his party are predicted to go back behind Bouncy Boy Richard Leonard. Now, you know you're a failure when you fall behind Bouncy Boy Richard Leonard because he's as thick as mince. Right, Tuesday, London Economic claims that uh, the rise in the national living wage is to be slashed from the promised 5.6% to 2%. This is uh, referring to Rishi Sunak's spending review on Wednesday, and we'll cover that when we get to Wednesday, all right? Tuesday, the National reports that Sunak will announce $34 million of cash for a festival of Brexit and the Queen's Jubilee. Politicians and the SNP went off their bloody chump, and rightly so. I think the best one was Alison Thulis, who stood up in that parliament down there and went, What? Money! For a festival of Brexit and the Queen Jubilee, while wounds are gone to their beds hungry! Couldn't they argue with that? Nearly could. All they could do was bloody well blush. Right, Tuesday, speculation over Christmas comes to an end with an announcement that a Four Nations approach has been agreed. <laughs> well, a loose Four Nations approach has been agreed because what they've agreed is that travel will be alright between the 23rd and 27th of December. The rest will be left to the individual nations, like what constitutes a household, how big the bubbles can be, that sort of thing. Alright, that information comes out on Thursday here in Scotland, alright? Tuesday, to round Tuesday half, Michelle Ballantyne, resigns from the Scottish Tories and says they know they're no longer a fit for her under new leader Dross, Douglas Ross, and she doesn't like where the party is going with its policy agenda. So there you go. The rats are starting to leave the ship up here and all. Wednesday starts in speculation over what Rishi Sunak would announce and his spending review. The main areas of speculation are public sector pay freeze and the minimum wage which has been uh, rebranded by the Tories as the living wage. All right. Okay, also on Wednesday, it supported the uh, trials of port customs arrangements with France, and it was the French customs officers that were doing this trial on this side of the Channel Tunnel had led to five-mile tailbacks. Okay, the trial started at 6.30am and ended at 1,500 hours. So... There are nine hours. The tailbacks were five miles long. Remember, this was just the French testing their system. The UK hasn't tested that system. This was just at Folkestone, at U the Eurotunnel. Throw in the port at Dover and 24-hour-a-day custom checks and you're talking about 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 mile long tailbacks or vehicles being racked, packed and stacked in the huge lorry parks that are being created in Kent. That's if they can get their passport sorted out to get into Kent, because Kent's being turned into one big customs area, if you like. Okay. Now, it would appear that Kent is going to be turned into one big lorry park, and La a Port of Lou Central. You know, what can you say? When we look at the UK, and what they've still got today, their IT systems haven't been tested, 
They're still building the infrastructure to be able to uh, corral the vehicles and ensure that other traffic can flow. It's bloody chaos. There's two computer systems also that have got to be tested and it appears they don't talk to each other. And of course, there's the need for vets and customs officers, which they haven't bloody well employed or trained. Okay. Right, Wednesday, Sky News is reporting that the Association of British Pharmaceutical Industries warns that additional costs, red tape and possible delays at ports could see medicine shortages, including the COVID-19 vaccine. The association said its members are ready, but they don't need the extra red tape, extra complexities and extra costs of an ODO Brexit. Red tape? Do you get that? Now, I don't know how long used people's memories are, but mine goes all the way back to before 2016 quite easily. And I remember hard Brexiteers in the Tory party and Nigel Farage saying that there would be a bonfire of red tape. A bonfire. Well, what happened to that bonfire of red tape in the easiest deal it was ever going to be? Well, there's now miles of red tape to deal with at additional costs and the ports, as we've just spoken in the previous part of the report, can't bloody well cope. You couldn't make this stuff up. That mob down that road are a bloody disaster. Right. Bloody red tape. You get that? Red tape. So on Monday, the Association of UK Greengrocers and now the, the Association of Pharmaceutical Companies, you know, are base fear. The pharmaceutical companies think there's going to be shortage of medicines, but we knew that. And the Association of British Greengrocers said on Monday that they, they expect shortages of foods. There you go, folks. Ration books, anyone? Wednesday, COVID crisis to cut pay by 1,200 by 2025. Now, I picked this headline for a reason. Because prior to March, the same headlines were coming out, but they were applying to Brexit. So it would appear that the UK government and the press, who lied and cheated and did everything they could to get Brexit over the line, are shifting the blame from Brexit for the up-and-coming disaster to COVID. Of course, we know that the Governor of the Bank of England disputes that. The Governor, governor of the Bank of England, and Andrew Bailey, said in an interview on Monday that he wasn't worried about COVID. He says the bounce back for COVID would be short, sharp and rapid, and it would be a complete bounce back. What the Governor of the Bank of England said was he's more worried about, he's more concerned about Brexit and what he is COVID. And quite rightly so. But it would appear that the press who drove the people in England through xenophobia and all sorts of crap to vote for Brexit are now shifting the blame for what's going to happen to these hapless voters down there to COVID for Brexit. Buckle up, kids. It's going to be a rough, rough couple of decades unless we get our independence. Okay. As I say, the only honesty we've had over the last week while has come from the Governor of the Bank of England, right? Wednesday, lunchtime rolls round and First Minister Nicola Sturgeon takes through the podium to give the people of Scotland her daily update on the pandemic's effects here in Scotland and to take questions from the press. After the public health messages are announced, the press predictably quizzed the FM on the relaxing of measures for Christmas. The First Minister and Professor Leach says, look, we're doing this. We're going to relax it. We're hoping that you're not going to use the extra space and uh, the freedom that we're giving you for that wee while. All right. So the First Minister and Professor Leach went on to say that they'll not be seeing their families. They'll be waiting. It's too dangerous. And I have to echo that. 
Right, moving on. Wednesday. Well, the First Minister gives her party a daily public health update. The UK Chancellor, Rishi Sunak, addresses the House of Crooks. Tax avoiders in London. The Commons. He's there to lay out spending plans for the next year. And his spending review. Okay. Sunak states that so far the UK has borrowed £394 billion to deal with the pandemic and that the UK public finances are in a bloody mess. He's going to tell public sector workers on more than 24000 a year that they will have their pay frozen again because remember the public sector had their pay frozen at the start of the austerity measures as well. He then goes on to tell the lowest paid workers in the UK that the 5.6% pay rise they were expecting on the minimum wage will not be 5.6%. It'll be 2.2% or 19 pence, taking the minimum wage to £8.91 an hour. £8.91 an hour, wow. Right, Mr Sunak announces the money's going to devolved administrations, making it sound like he was gifting that devolved administrations money. Bollocks. Do the people in Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland know pay bloody taxes? Does the UK exchequer no pay collect tax money on our oil, our gas, our whiskey, our food exports and VAT, fuel duties, all the different taxes, tobacco tax, the lot. Does the UK government no collect taxes for the devolved administrations? What Sunak was announcing, wasn't he? Westminster's generosity to the peoples of Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland, what Sunak was announcing was that we get to give, we get to get a slice of our own bloody money back, most of which is withheld by Westminster to be spent in that crap hole down the road called England. Because they can't sustain themselves, they can't feed themselves, they've got a massive balance of trade deficit and they're skint. Anyway, the Scottish Block grant to rise by 2.9 million to cover the COVID recovery, and it's taken up by $1.3 to cover ordinary, everyday costs. All right, now it's no queer what's going to happen with that money and who's going to spend it in Scotland. That becomes a wee bit queerer on Thursday, and we'll get to that on Thursday, all right? But anyway, the devolved administrations now have an idea of what sort of money they're going to have. Let's move on to the Fraser of Islanders Institute's breakdown of what Sunak the Muppet had to say, all right? The Fraser Alistair Institute put out a, a quick rundown of the spending review and here are a couple of the highlights. Economy to shrink by 11% next year. Unemployment to rise to 7.5% next year. The UK deficit to reach 19% next year. Right. The JERS figures should be bloody well fun next year because we've already got a 15% deficit. You know, throw another 19% in the chap and now you've got 34%. Who's going to believe that muck? Right. Scotland's block can't to rise by 1.3 billion to cover normal spending, and that would take it to 31.7 billion in 21-22. This is a real term rise of 3.5% per year between 2019-2020 and 2020-2021. That will see the Scottish budget recover to the same levels as it was on in the year 2010-2011. So there you go, folks, a decade of Tory rule just to get back to where we were in 2010, 2011. Eh? And just when you need investment to recover Scotland's capital spending budget to be cut by £330 million or 0.3 of a billion. 
That's interesting because the UK's capital spend went up by 27%. How does that work? Well, we'll get to that on Thursday. Right. As to ongoing costs to cover COVID crisis, Scotland will receive $1.3 billion in consequentials, way short of Scotland's share of the COVID debt. COVID consequentials for 2021 have been $8.2 billion. That includes everything, by the way. They follow the lot. Right. I've since had a closer look at that. Right. It will be $1.3 billion in 21-22. So that will see a massive and rapid reeling in of business support, debt relief, support for public transport, and the NHS and other vital services. Right. Okay. Wednesday. Here in Scotland, Gene Freeman Health Secretary updates the Parliament on the intended extension of the COVID testing regime to healthcare workers and care home workers, right? And that is, a, they have now to be tested twice a week because there's a new type of test out there that can be done more quickly. In fact, that's what they're using in the universities, okay? The theme for the three cuckoos in the nest who could question Jean Freeman as she addressed Parliament or when she'd finished addressing Parliament update was the same. Too little, too late, all right? The Greens and the cuckoos in the nest, they are saying that this stuff should have happened ages ago. But as I said, the cuckoos in the nest seem to be a wee bit thick. I expect better for the Greens. You know, we started for a standing start and nothing on the 12th of March. They tested. Bojo had dropped testing on the 12th of March and then testing for capabilities had to be built up. The way these muppets are growing, you think Health Secretary Gene Freeman had a magic wand that could just magic all this stuff out of thin air. And more importantly, you think she could bloody well find the money out of fresh air. We're totally dependent on the UK government here. This is special circumstances and out with the finance available to the bloody Scottish government. So the cuckoos in the nest are just playing at it. They're at it. Right, Wednesday after Sunak spending review was announced, public sector pay freeze in England is at the fore. Kate Forbes, Scotland's finance minister, is asked on BBC Radio Scotland if the Scottish government intended to do the same. Kate Forbes said no. The Scottish government is committed to public sector pay rises as those in the front line and the public services deserve it, and they bloody well do, especially the NHS. Anyway, Kate is on to explain that a pie freeze does not work in a, a consumer-based economy. If consumers don't have money to spend, your economy does not grow. Put the money in the people's pockets, and the people will spend it into the economy. Put it into the pockets of business, and the rich and they'll stick it in offshore bank accounts, and that money will disappear out of bloody circulation. All right, so Kate makes it clear that the idea of public pay freeze in England is bloody stupid, because if you take money out of people's pockets, then your economy stalls, because we have a consumer-based economy. So Rishi Sunak is obviously an economic idiot, a financial illiterate. Uh, isn't it rocket science here? We have a consumer-based economy. If the consumer is not bloody money, the economy flatlines. That's what you call economic illiteracy. And this guy's the Chancellor of the Exchequer. Unbloody believable. Wednesday, a cluster of COVID-19 cases are reported at an Aberdeen food production plant. The Kepik McIntosh Donald plant in Port Lethen is the source of an outbreak. An incident management team has been set up at the plant and it's hoped that they can get the outbreak under control quickly, all right? I myself have recently been working for a food production plant and the lengths that they went to in order to keep their staff safe 
was unbelievable. But I think I've explained that before, okay? Right, Wednesday. The Tories claimed that the SNP were holding back a billion pounds in reserve, which should be spent to help in the fight against COVID. Rubbish. There's a billion quid sitting there, but it's been allocated. It's already allocated out. Remember, the Scottish government's got to keep a, a balanced budget, so it always holds a wee bit back in reserve, because by law it's got to have a balanced budget. But most of that billion quid's already been allocated, so the Tories claiming that the Scottish government are holding back a billion quid are consequentials for COVID as a lot of crap. All right. Right, let's move on to Thursday. Thursday the 28th of November. Thursday morning started on the state of the UK economy, Sunak spending review and the death of Diego Maradona. All right. And in spending review, Chancellor uh, Rishi Sunak states he expects the UK economy to shrink by a further 11%, taking the deficit to 19%. Unemployment is expected to rise to 7.5%. Um, and there would be a public sector pay freeze in England for those uh, earning less than 24000 a year. And the national minimum wage would only rise by 2.2% instead of the pledge 5.6%. Okay. Thursday. Dissection of Sunak spending review goes on. Kate Forbes, Scotland's finance minister, is demanding an explanation as to why Scotland's capital spending budget has been slashed by 5% when capital spending in the UK has risen by 27%. Capital expenditure will be vital to keep Scotland's economy vibrant during the post-pandemic and the Brexit disaster. The answer to why, of course, Scotland's budget has been slashed, a capital spending budget has been slashed by 5%. Well, I mean, the answer to that question is quite simple. The UK government intends to uh, bypass Holyrood on infrastructure spending, and the UK government intends to slap a union jack on any infrastructure spending done in Scotland and claim that the UK government is actually taking care of and participating in Scotland. This is this mere muscular unionism they were talking about, you know. So take the money out of Holyrood and spend it into the Scottish economy directly and claim that that's the benefit of our union. Rubbish. Eyes on the prize, folks. Ignore it. That money would have been spent into the economy and on infrastructure by the Scottish Government if it went direct to the Scottish Government anyway. But more importantly, if it went to the Scottish Government, it would have been spent on things we want it spent on instead of being spent on plans for bridges to Northern Ireland which will never, ever, ever be bloody well built. All right. Thursday, Brexit negotiations are back on the table. Right. Michael Barney to resume talks at the weekend, this weekend coming. After talks eh, were halted when Mr Barney had to self-isolate, having come in contact with someone with COVID. RTE, the Irish broadcaster, is speculating that a breakthrough is about to be made on fisheries. The EU coastal states fishery ministers have been consulted by Mr Barney, but there's very little time left to actually come to an agreement, right? Whether there'll be a deal or no, that's, you know... I really don't think at this late stage there can be a deal stop, all right? Thursday, Bojo the Clown, the English Prime Minister, appointed his replacement for Dominic Cummins and Lee Kane. And what is seen to be a move away from hard Brexiteers, Johnson appoints Dan Rosenfield as his new chief spad. Mr Rosenfield was a key advisor to George Osborne in the Treasury 
and he also advised the Treasury for up to 11 years. All right. So it's a it's a sign that a Bojo's moving away for a hard Brexiteers and his party. All right. Coley Watson, another hard Brexiteer, has also just been booted out of, as a spad as well. So all the Brexiteers are being cleared out. So there's every chance that after after we go to the cliff edge and negotiations continue, that a deal could bloody well be found. All right. Right, uh, Thursday. Following the COVID public information update by the First Minister, we're straight into First Minister's questions. All right. Baroness Ruthie Tank Commander went on the Scotland Government's refusal to hand out its legal advice to the Salmond Inquiry. Okay. The FM states that she wasn't deliberately withholding information and she went on to explain the Ministerial Code, Section 2, I think it was Section 2.4, said that ministers shouldn't give out their legal advice. All right, unless it was explicitly required and in the interest of the public. Nobody says that any of this is specifically required or in the interest of the public, okay? But anyway, the First Minister goes on to tell Ruthie Tank Commander that the Deputy First Minister is looking into it and will consult, is consulting with Mr Salmon's lawyers and the Lord Advocate to see whether this information can be made public or not. All right, right, so the First Minister says she's not refusing to give this information, it's just the Ministerial Code makes it clear that they shouldn't. All right. Bouncy boy, Red Tory leader Richard Poo, went on care homes again and the transfer of patients to care homes. The idiot doesn't seem to understand that these are clinician-led decisions and nothing to do with politicians, as the First Minister made clear in her briefing on Wednesday or Tuesday. All right. So it has to be explained to Bouncy Boy the Dafty that it's up to clinicians and sometimes patients have to be moved in their life uh, situations because it's in their interest to be in familiar surroundings as they depart this world. Okay, Bouncy Boy's just a pain. Patrick Harvey of the Greens went on Christmas and the easing of lockdown restrictions. Patrick thinks it's bloody crazy, as do the rest of us because the piper's going to have to be paid in January, and it'll be getting paid in human lives. And as far as I'm concerned, nobody needs a turkey or a hoff with a relative that much. All right. Right, we were already, he went on care homes too. Miss Sturgeon had to say, well, look, well, this is hard bloody stuff. You know, we had needed capacity to test people, we're nervous about opening care homes back up, you know what happened? The first time we came bloody killing fields. See these bams that I want to shove people into care homes where they where the most vulnerable are. We can understand the stress it's causing the people in the care homes, but it's got to be done bloody well properly. First Minister Nicola Sturgeon tells BBC's Glenn Campbell that if the SNP won a majority at next year's election, then Indiref 2 will happen early in the next parliament. She went on to explain things should be back to normal as there will be a vaccine. So by the time next September rolls round, COVID shouldn't be a bloody problem. So she can go ahead and keep planning. All right. Well, obviously, the British nationalists, the cuckoos in the nest in the Scottish Parliament were in the chuff and they went after chump. All right. They went mental. Ruthie Tank Commander and the British nationalist cuckoos in the nest went into meltdown, claiming, how can you hold a referendum in the middle of a pandemic? Well, guess what? 
everybody's going to be vaccinated by the end of the spring, apparently, and beginning of the summer. So, COVID will not be a problem as to rebuilding the economy like these Muppets are talking about. We're definitely not going to rebuild it in the model that's doing that bloody road at Westminster, which has bankrupted the UK, has wasted Scotland's resources, and has seen inequality at record levels across these islands. So, as to getting the economy back on track by staying in the UK, no bloody chance. We'll get out of the bloody UK, we'll have a grip of our own fiscal weavers, we'll be in charge of our own resources, we'll print our own bloody money, and we'll build a fairer and more caring and more equal society, a well-being society where the economy works for the people instead of the people working for a few rich people who own the bloody economy. All right, Thursday in the bag, let's move on to Friday and what the papers have to say, OK? The eye goes on, Scots facing toughest Christmas COVID rules. So, good. Lesses will bloody well die. The sun goes on, bobble trouble, same story. Ah, apparently people are no happy that we've got strict Christmas lockdown here. Rubbish, we haven't, they've opened up, they're going to let you see three families in your own house. That's enough of your ish, thanks very much. The Daily Mail goes on, don't hug your granny for Christmas. That's no bad advice for the nutters, right? The Scotsman goes on, Christmas mix will come at a cost, says healthcare expert, and he's right. You know, if you don't have to get together with members of your family, uh, then don't. Protect yourself, all right? Protect your family. Uh, the Metro goes on, eight is all you can have at Christmas. Eight people on your table, is that not enough for anybody? The National goes on, Indiref 2 can be next year if SNP won election. That's basically covering what Nicola Sturgeon had to say yesterday. Time goes on. New vote on leaving the EU as soon as next year. So the appear the Times is accepted it's going to happen. The loony paper, the Express, goes on. Fury at SNP's reckless plot for Sexit vote. What plot? This is bloody... This is the SNP's Resendetra. This is exactly what we want. Right. The Herald goes on. Nuclear waste missing after decades of failure. This has to do with the fact that decommissioned nuclear plants. Um, when they went through the inventory, they found there was a lot of nuclear waste missing. It would appear that somebody's been nicking it and selling it, selling it to third world terrorists, maybe. Who knows? But what do you do with nuclear waste? What have they done with it? Did they stick it in boats and dump it out there in the Irish Sea? The way they were doing in the 70s. Oh, who knows? Right. The record goes on. Captain Fantastic. It's a fat boy story, so it's no my, my bag. And the star goes on. Drop it, Shelton. It's another fat boy story. Apparently, Gazza's told Peter Shelton to get a grip. Maradona was a genius. And it's just, just one of these things that that goal, the hand of God goal stood. All right. Right, that's what I've got for you as the day, folks. Use look after each other. Have a good weekend. Remember the usual stuff. Facts. Face coverings in close public spaces. Avoid large gatherings. Clean hands and surfaces regularly. Two metre spacing when you're out and about. And look after each other. All right. Have a nice day. This is a new voice for a new Scotland.